the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We will talk many, many topics on this show. Um, one of my favorite things is just basically talk about getting into retirement. And what does that look like? We're all very different beasts, and we all need to appreciate that. Um, my idea of retirement is pretty simple. It goes something like this. I want to get to somewhere between 62 and 68 and stop working. Maybe cut back working before then. Um, that's the basic idea. What's yours? I have a situation that I think I'm in a pretty good position, but have I thought about hurricanes and wildfires and bear markets? Is a bear market a disaster for retirement? It could be. And it's something we haven't seen in a very long time. Yet, outside our windows, across the nation, all over the Weather Channel, we're seeing natural disasters getting more and more costly. What would a bear market be like? But let's stay with the natural disasters first, because that's a little bit more realistic in our heads. But in reality, you need to be preparing for a worst-case scenario in the stock market and the housing market. I bought a home in 2008, kind of as real estate started to pick back up after it had a disaster. Three of the costliest natural disasters in U.S. history were hurricanes that struck in 2017. Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Maria, and Hurricane Irma. So it doesn't take you too far back in history to remember that the costly ones weren't that far ago, long ago. They may not even be that momentous. Do you remember where Hurricane Ida hit? Yeah, of course, it's New Orleans. Do you remember where Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Irma hit? I remember one of them hit North Carolina really hard because I have a rental property in North Carolina. I can't tell you which one it is. It's not like I have a secret. It's that I don't remember. Flooding is not covered by homeowners insurance. In general, damage caused by wind, wind driven rain and water that comes into your home through the roof, windows, doors, or holes in the walls is covered by homeowners insurance. But damage from flooding of water that rises from the bottom up, say, of a creek is not. 
Therefore, storm surges on the coasts are not covered. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. How do I have homeowner's insurance and I'm not covered by water coming in and destroying my home? It's pretty stupid, isn't it? It feels like that's not very American. I don't think it is. So you do have to get something from floodsmart.gov. And I think it's, I think it begs the question. Right now, I live maybe three or four towns away from a, a city called Petaluma. And Petaluma had a historic flood. And when you look around, you don't see a lot of water. There's the bay kind of far away. There's some creeks. And when I say kind of far away, like three to five miles. And you just don't think of flooding. I know nothing about flooding. I can't look at a home and say, oh, yeah, that'll never flood. The home that I'm living in now, I was talking about firefighters. Like, oh, yeah, we had some pretty historic firefights uh, a couple years back. I'm like, really? And I just bought this place and we've had historic firefights here? So I am unprepared for the worst case scenario because I don't really know what to expect there. And yet every single week we hear climate change this and climate change that. Flooding is covered by auto insurance. Did you know that? So your house not covered by flooding, your car is, which is pretty weird. Water damage can be so bad that an insurance company will declare a car a total loss and pay the claim for the value of the car minus the deductible. In a historic period in the U.S. history, car prices have been going through the roof because we don't have enough semiconductors to make new ones or to make enough supply. If you've been thinking about going to the car dealership and haggling or negotiating, forget about it. Water-damaged cars can pose serious safety risks from faulty airbags to compromised electrical systems. So buying a car that's been water-damaged is not a good idea. What I guess I'm getting at here is natural disasters happen, and one of the best ways to prevent a total loss is start documenting everything. I just bought a home and I paid more than I should have for it. And the county assessor's office sent me, uh, thank you very much, you're gonna pay high taxes. And inside that letter of the thank you very much, you're gonna pay higher taxes was how much my property's worth and how much the structure's worth compared to what it was worth last year, which is pretty funny. Uh, I'm like, I don't think the land went up $500,000 in value in one year. So I can try to dispute it, but I paid it. And because I paid for it, it makes it real. But also now I have a document that I can show the insurance company in case something bad happens. Documenting is very, very important. I don't like doing this because I feel like I'm almost stupid. I take a picture of every room in my house and I put it in a folder on my iPhone called Home Photos. It shows that I've got one computer in one room, an Xbox in another, another computer in another room, a TV in that room, and you can see how I add it all up. And then if I take it the year that I add anything, it shows you the year that I bought it. So I document not like, um, not like a CPA. I'm not going from room to room. I'm not doing audits. 
we all will have different ways of approaching this. Worst case scenario, I buy everything on credit cards. Therefore, I can document everything I own on the credit cards. If I had to, I wouldn't want to do it. Hurricane damage will probably have a different deductible in your insurance world than anything else. Um, you do have some different deductibles within the policy where you said, oh, yeah, I want my deductible to be $1,000 or $5,000. For the record, this is one of my mantras. This is one of the things that I believe in. Um, for instance, before I get tell you this one, it's buy term life insurance and invest the rest. I don't believe in whole life insurance and I don't believe in variable life insurance at all. And I can't think of one case in my life where I wanted variable life or whole life instead of term. And I'll be honest with you, 10 years ago, I wanted to term life to protect my family. Now I'm wealthy enough because I've stayed invested that I think I could take my foot off that term life and, and stop. But when it comes to insurance, um, I go with a higher deductible because I'd never want to use it. A higher deductible gives me lower premiums. So I, I, I don't know how like I can say this other than like my, my homeowners and my renter's insurance whenever I have that. I go with the higher deductible because I never want to use it. And the insurance companies kind of expect you never to use your insurance. Otherwise, they wouldn't be you know, covering big ticket items like that. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So I've been talking a little about hurricane insurance and how to insure your portfolio is something that not a lot of us know how to do. You can do it through something called diversification. In the 1990s, when I started in financial media and working as a registered investment advisor, it was very, very difficult to tell people you should own a healthcare stock. You should own a financial stock or index fund or exchange traded fund. In the 1990s, we called it diversification. And you would turn on CNBC and Bloomberg and people would be like, oh, you should only own tech stocks or, oh, you got to diversify. There was a big battle. It was a big story. It's kind of silly to think about because we're all guilty of it. I love tech stocks. I mean, like, I'm not going to romance belly up to a tech stock, but I kind of am going to romance belly up to a tech stock. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, baby, I love you, Apple. Apple, I love you, Apple. In my midterm and long-term outlook on Apple is not great. And my largest holding is Apple. So I know that I got to eat my own medicine. And no, I'm not going to be like the big idiot Joe Rogan. And start taking medications that are meant for horses to try to fight off my COVID um, affirmation. Rogan's an idiot. This is what I tend to say when I want someone to go away. 
if he were to go into a room full of argon gas and melt, I'd be cool with it. I don't want to wish death on him, but if he were to melt in a room of argon gas, I'd be like, that's cool. Just turn into a big old puddle of goo. Um, he's got a huge platform and he's making people who are in between the ages of 25 and 45 think that he's a doctor. He's using his platform incorrectly. He's using a horse dewormer instead of getting vaccinated. That's insane. We've got modern medicine. We've fought off polio. We can fight off the coronavirus. Keep in mind, the coronavirus is very similar to flus. Flu shots work. We know this statistically. We know exactly what goes into them. But like Sarah Silverman once said, you know, we don't even know what is in a Coca-Cola. We don't know what's woven in the fabric of the shirt that I'm wearing right now. We don't even know what's in the steak we're eating. So anyway, I'm totally digressing. I need to be careful. Check myself before I wreck myself. So I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan right now. And uh, if he were to melt, <laughs> I know you're saying, are you wishing death and hurt on him? How many people walk into a room of argon gas, right? Anyhow, um, talk about like worst case scenarios on the stock market. My largest position is an Apple and my midterm and long term isn't terribly constructive on Apple because everyone in the world is probably pretty educated on smartphones. They're not like a, a device that are creeping up on anyone. I can change my opinion and go more midterm and long-term on Apple when the time is right, when I see product, but at two and a half trillion dollars evaluation, it's the biggest company ever. And if you look back in the last 10 years and last 20 years, and I want you to do this on a 10 year period, who the biggest tech companies were, who the biggest companies in the world were, they changed. They weren't able to hold on to that market cap valuation. Now I will say, I think Apple is really important to the world. I think Google's really important in the world and Microsoft more so than ever. And many of them have figured out subscription models, which will keep them relevant. If Apple were to stop buying back shares or increase their dividend, I would quit the stock because I think they're financially engineering a little bit of their future and not product engineering. They're working on their financial statements buying back shares, which is great. As soon as they lose a couple more flags, I'm out. The penetration of the Mac and the iPad are probably as good as they're going to get. I don't see the Mac and the iPad coming out with a different way of promoting themselves that will add materially to a $2.5 trillion company. Same with the phone. Now, yes, we all know augmented reality is coming. We all know the Google Glass. Do you remember Google Glass and how stupid it was? There was a news anchor at Cron named Mark Dannon. And I used to giggle at him. I was like, that looks stupid. He got Google Glass because he was in media. And Google wanted to put it on the heads of media people just in case they were, were caught a glimpse in public with them on. And they're like, hey, look, it's a really cool device. It's pretty stupid. Short term, I like Apple, and yes, I think he can make new highs, 
but it's my largest position and trying to tell you that I need to protect myself from a natural disaster. I do. I'm not worried about the litigation against Apple at this point in time. I think that would actually help Apple to break up. The company would, would make that $2.5 trillion market cap. If you were to break it up into five different pieces, I think all those five pieces could add, add up to over 3 trillion. I think we would give a premium valuation to services. I think we would give a premium valuation to the software side and the hardware side would go, yeah, we get it. But when you see 12 year old kids walking around with an iPhone, when every driver I look at seems to have Apple iPods in his ear, not I, uh, yeah, iPod pros and such like that. I'm like, you really shouldn't be driving with something stuffed in your ear like that, dude. Um, I'm a Bluetooth guy. I like talking through my car speaker. I've tried doing it through the AirPods and I feel I'm being a dangerous society. So my largest position, I need to diversify. Do you remember last year I told you I started diversifying Apple? I have to do that on a regular basis. It's my largest position. Um, I'm going to have to come to, I love the movie Talladega Nights when they introduced a character called baby Jesus. I don't even know what that's all about, but I kind of liked it. It sounds kind of catchy. I need to have a come to baby Jesus moment. And on a regular basis, say I need to sell another 5%. I need to diversify. That's how you stop a natural disaster in the stock market. Um, I've grown up with a sweet tooth for tech stocks. I need to grow up and diversify. I work at EP Wealth. They've got 10 investment advisors, an investment policy committee of 10 people, and they do the coolest thing. Um, they all have a different sector they follow, and they all have ideas, and they get together and they robble. They get together and they talk about their ideas. They get together and they argue about their ideas. It's not, it's not a bad thing to robble. It's a good thing. And then they go back to their computers and they vote, like, here's how we're going to handle the, uh, the investments. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. But I like that approach more so than Rob Black grew up with a sugar tooth first tech stocks. I've given a large chunk of my wealth to them. They manage it for me. I ask them, don't tell me what you're buying because I don't want to be influenced on media. So I'm helping you stay neutral, but they're helping me get diversified. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Do yourself a favor. It's not diversif diversification. I understand if you're young. I understand if you're behind in investing. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So one of the things I do is I keep copious amounts of notes. The World Trade Center is probably the biggest disaster that's happened in the stock market or the biggest test. The towers collapsed on a Tuesday. Six days later, we looked south of ground zero to the New York Stock Exchange where an aftershock was expected. All eyes were on the market that Monday morning. There was a magazine called Barron's, which I love. It's a financial magazine. And all eyes were on the market. And so Barron's comes out on Friday afternoon, Saturday morning for me. And I have a 
bear claw tub. And I used to crawl into the bear claw tub on Saturday mornings to read bears. Monday through Friday, I'd read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. I would save every newspaper that I read for five days. And I'd look at it five days later because I'd permanently ink circle the stories that I thought were interesting and see if what happened happened. Barron's cautioned that Saturday before the market opened that trading was likely to be volatile. The 9-11 terrorist attacks had changed everything from the Manhattan skyline to the global political order to the price of nearly every asset in the world. Stop for one second and think about that. Steel prices were changed. Car prices were changed. Oil prices were changed. Life insurance costs were changed. That's a pretty jarring shock to the system. I know 9-11 had two buildings taken completely down and the Pentagon get hit aggressively. That Tuesday morning, I remember just sitting outside, looking up in the sky, and it's like, where the hell are the planes? Where the hell are, like, it was weird. You get used to hearing planes above. You get used to seeing them in the skyline. They were all gone. But there was reasons not to panic because share prices have generally proved resilient. And you forget that. There's cataclysmic events that happen on a pretty regular basis. Right now we're seeing hurricanes and wildfires and floods in America. We'll see them again next year. On Wall Street, we've seen wars, assassinations, pandemics. We've seen it all. World War I, World War II, North Vietnam, uh, Vietnam Korea, Cambodia. We've seen high oil. We've seen low oil. We've seen free oil. That's the freakiest thing I could say out loud. Oil at $150 a barrel was insanity. And what's interesting about that now is I go back and I go, I think I was paying about $5 a gallon for gasoline in California. And right now I feel like I'm paying about $5 a gallon for gasoline in California. So it really didn't hurt the system. In the United States, we've had the Kennedy assassination. We've had Pearl Harbor. We've had 9-11. Outside the United States, we've had the Gulf War. A few years back, we had terrorist attacks in France, in Paris. And we're resilient. People are still going to resilient. Uh, are still going to France, Paris. People are still going to concerts. We fight back against the worst case scenarios, the attacks on cities, the attacks, wars on, on cities and uh, countries. I'm not freaked out. The investors of 2001 had something their 1930s counterparts lacked, a powerful and independent Federal Reserve with tools to combat a financial shock. The Federal Reserve stepped up to the plate and made sure that we were going to be well-greased. Money was going to be moving. People weren't going to tense up. Banks weren't going, there wasn't going to be a run on banks. Banks have a charter that for every dollar deposit they get, they're allowed to lend out 33. And in a worst case scenario, you're like, well, maybe they'll only be able to lend out 15. 
that's we we actually up the number. We keep them flush with cash. <clears throat> so by September 17, the Federal Open Market Committee, the group of federal governors, Federal Reserve governors who get together and robble, they cut the federal fund rates by half a point to 3%. And they kept lowering it and lowering it and lowering it and lowering it so that the terrorists didn't win. So when we're talking about emergency preparation on Wall Street and banking systems, I'm telling you, our best friend is the Federal Reserve. That's why sometime in September, October, November, December, they're going to stop buying debt because they need to have the ammo for the next big assault on the U.S. economy, whether it's from a terrorism or whether it's from inflation. That gives me a little peace of mind at night that the economy is not going to go to hell in a handbasket in a worst case scenario. We also have a government that sometimes gets together and does the right thing, but usually they fight. I kind of wish we were like some of those East, uh, Western, no, no, I'm sorry, Eastern European countries where in their Senate, they actually fist fight. I would love to see Nancy Pelosi throw a haymaker. Just a sucker punch. I know you're saying you're kidding, right? I'm kidding. I don't like those kind of banana republics, but you get the idea. So the Fed is our best friend. And right now, the Fed's about to get criticized. On Friday, there's going to be a jobs report in the United States. And if it's really, really good, they're probably going to stop buying debt in September. And if it's really, really bad, they're probably going to stop buying debt in December. The jobs report won't be really, really, really bad. It's not like we're going to see a high spiked, uh, you know, 10% unemployment. Could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. No economist that I follow thinks it's going to happen. There's probably one economist out there who does. And you're probably following them and you're expecting the worst case scenario for the world. And that economist's name might be Dr. Doom. So we have the Federal Reserve. They're our friends. When I meet people and they go, oh, you're in the stock market? Isn't that crazy? I'm like, no, no, no. We got the Federal Reserve. We're good. We got capitalism in the Federal Reserve. I'm good. Without question, there are going to be some staggering financial losses in the world. Airlines seem to be ground zero for the war on Wall Street anytime there's terrorism. And now we're also learning pandemics too. This pandemic was widely predicted. Is it lasting longer than many predicted? Many predicted it would last longer and kill more. So... Airlines lost about $8 billion in 9-11, despite a huge government bailout and waves of bankruptcies that, you know, rippled through decades. Gold, it had a 5.4% jump on September 11th. That was a knee-jerk reaction. It didn't hold the gains. If on 9-11 terrorists attacked and you sat around for the next week deciding what we're going to do, and he said, I don't, I don't know. I had a phone call that night. I stayed on air that day for eight hours. Five hours locally, plus three hours on a national show. I had people calling, crying, like, I won't ever be able to take my kid to a shopping mall again. 
And we're all going to shopping malls. Not during the pandemic, right? It's interesting. The pandemic has curbed our shopping habits more so than terrorism did. I got a lot of value out of 9-11. It was my generation's reminder of a World War II of a Vietnam. My dad was in Vietnam. I should have, I should know Vietnam, but I was, I was a baby. I was zero. I was one year old kind of thing. I was watching platoon yesterday cause it's on the heavy play cycle, I guess, always now on cable. And what platoon showed me was, yeah, my dad was at the war. I, I remember my dad saying, I'll never see that movie because you know, he was there. I lived it. He was really upset by it. My dad was an officer though. And platoon was a movie about the grunts non-officers, non-commissioned officers, NCOs as they call them. Um, I don't get free. I don't own gold. I'm not a gold bug. I'm not a guy who thinks our system's going to go to hell in a handbasket. I better own gold. Do you know that the, to buy gold, there's a huge markup and to sell gold, there's a huge markup. You lose buying gold. Now, if I was Christopher Columbus and going to find America, I might invest in gold because the queen wanted it. But I believe in capitalism and I've had a 9-11 in my lifetime. And I remember the shocking events of talking about it on air. Don't get caught up in worst case scenarios. We have the Federal Reserve and when they start raising rates, what they're basically saying is this emergency is mostly passed and we need to get ready for the next one. And guess what's going to happen when there's another emergency? The Federal Reserve is going to react. Will we lose? Probably a little bit. Hey, it's song from Platoon. If that was intentional, good for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth. If you need a financial planner, contact me through my website, Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So I think this whole hour has been dedicated to protecting yourself from natural disasters as well as financial disasters. And the example that I gave you of 9-11, if I were to talk for one more minute on it, I would have added the vast sums of money to rise from the rubble or the ashes that we have to spend to fix our country is investable. It's not the best thought I've ever had. It feels kind of wrong. I don't like telling you that natural disasters are good for our economy, but I believe natural disasters are good for our economy. I'm selling a 60 year old home right now and I have to go through some disclosures so that I, I let the new person who buy it know exactly what's wrong that I know of. And one of the things I don't have to disclose because it's obvious is that I live in California and the home was built in 1950. So what does that make it? 1960. Um, so it's 40, yeah, 60 years old. So it, the foundation's been hit by numerous earthquakes, but it's still good. But is it perfect? No. I have to disclose things like, oh, there's a patio in back that has some uneven cement. 
you can trip and hurt yourself. Um, and I go as far as to put orange tape on it so that when they move in, they know exactly where I'm talking. I know you're saying you're very considerate, Rob. You overdisclose. Yes, I do. I don't want to be sued. But I want to repeat natural disasters. If that house were to be knocked down and rebuilt, it would be better in a worst case scenario, natural disaster, earthquake. What goes on in New Orleans, when Katrina hit, it messed up that city. The levees broke. Flooding happened from man-made scenarios that weren't correctly made. The Bay Bridge, when I was living on the East Coast and the big earthquake hit, it disrupted the World Series and there was cars that fell from the bottom of the Bay Bridge to their death in the, in the Bay. I was like, well, that's messed up. And now that bridge has been rebuilt better and stronger. So the next earthquake that hits, it'll be able to not collapse. I like natural disasters in a weird way. I'm comfortable knowing that what gets rebuilt is lovely. I hate, I hate the death. And when I just said, you know, a car falls from the bottom of the Bay Bridge, I probably hurt someone who was listening because they know someone who died in that, in that, that quake. And that sucks. But my job on the show is to sometimes go into some slightly uncomfortable areas and tell you, it's not bad. We'll rebuild from the ashes. We always have. We always will. Until proven otherwise, that's what I invest in. And here's the creepiest damn thought that I could say out loud. Sometimes disasters give you a buying opportunity. I can give you a real world example of buying a beach house after a hurricane hit a beach town. I was like, what are the chances a hurricane hits that beach town again? And 30 years later, 25 years later, it still hasn't. But when it did, it wrecked that town. It's a weird thing. It's like the best pricing is when others are selling, when others are fearful. Like um, if we can go back to the quake in the, uh, California in the 90s that sent people out of state, people had moved from Boston, New York, and they're like, their first week here, they get this quake and they're like, screw this. I'm going back to the East Coast. I'll buy your home because suddenly there's a big supply of homes as people want out. It's probably the most uncomfortable I've felt talking on radio in a while, talking about natural disasters and financial disasters and how I believe the Federal Reserve is our secret ace up our sleeve. I throw that down there for any of you who are thinking about investing sooner than later and who get caught up in the emotions of the world. Oh, there's a lot going on out there today. Um, some of this I don't really want to go into. Well, I know you're saying, what do you not want to go into? The Supreme Court refuses to block Texas law that bans most abortions. The Supreme Court does have a a big shadow in my world, but that does not, I can't cover that one. Wildfires are putting water supplies at risk and corporate America is scared. I think that's worthy of bringing up that, you know, how we're hearing about a semiconductor shortage. Part of that is because semiconductors are made in Taiwan and Taiwan's having a water shortage at this point in time. So 
I may be wrong on my assumption that the Federal Reserve will always save us. I may be wrong that rebuilding from the ashes is always going to work. So far, I'm right. But in California, about 70% of the water either starts or flows through natural, national forests. When we have large-scale fires like this, we get huge amounts of erosion that end up filling up dams and reservoirs that store the water, that help create hydropower. It's really getting nitty-gritty, but it's really actually a true story. And it's really actually something you should be aware of in investing. Um, last night, part of my research was about deforestation and companies that believe in reforestation as part of their agenda because we need that water. Large-scale fires create mudslides. Mudslides fill reservoirs. Reservoirs have contaminated water. It reduces their capacity. Cleaning the reservoirs is costly and time-consuming. It's not just the mud. Trees retain the water in the mountains and then slowly release it so that dams and reservoirs don't have to face a sudden influx of water. We do need Mother Nature. Water is essential to businesses around the world. We need it to manufacture our products. We need it to use our products in homes. Uh, no sense in buying a dishwasher or a washing machine if you can't have water go through it. Procter & Gamble provided a $200,000 grant to restore 400 acres in the El Dorado National Forest, which feeds the water supply of Sacramento and San Francisco. We need some help with Mother Nature right now. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 